0: It's episode 128 of Offscript with Trish Gloss. Intimate interviews with interesting people joining me today via Skype. I have Christine Tobin. Hello, Christine Tobin.
1: Hello, Trish.
0: Hi. Uh, According to your IG account, you're a food stylist, a culinary producer, and movie lady.
1: (laughs) I'm a movie lady. That's a new addition to the the whole title.
0: I know. I know. I just, because I've been following you for a while, and so I just noticed that recently that you added movie lady because good grief you are the movie lady we're going to talk about movies a lot uh you've done a lot of food styling for a lot of movies but um when you're not doing that you're the food stylist for christopher kimball's milk street i am happily so and that means when i look at pictures of of dishes or or recipes that's you styling that food
1: it's myself working with an incredible photographer, Connie Miller, and our director of photography, Brianna Coleman. So the three of us work collaboratively, but I'm the one who's manipulating the food um, for cameras. So yes.
0: We're gonna talk all about food styling. I knew it was a thing, but I didn't realize it was such a big deal and you're a big deal. Oh my goodness. We're gonna talk all about that. Where are you from originally, Christine?
1: I was born in Flushing, New York. And then when I was two, we moved to Massachusetts. So I grew up in Holliston, Mass, which is a suburb of Boston. And then when I was a junior, we moved to Cape Cod and to Brewster. So I finished my high school career um, down there.
0: I'm learning there's a lot of food people that come out of Massachusetts
1: and that exist there now. Lots of women in food that are coming out of here now. So it's really an exciting time. In a, the culinary circle. We all sort of know each other from, um, you know, a base experience uh, at one restaurant in particular. And so since then, it, we just sort of grow into our own careers and um, support each other. And it's really special.
0: It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I think I, I may need to move to Massachusetts in the next couple Please of do. hours. <laughs> Come on over. Um, so you said Holliston you grew
1: up in. Mm-hmm. What was that like? um we lived on a a dead-end street uh called pinecrest road and um just you know this is the 70s and 80s so it was pretty quiet when dogs you know were walking around the neighborhood free of leashes and we were able to leave first thing in the morning and come back at dinner time um so really simple living and um very quiet and um I often reflect on those times, especially in our current world of mm-hmm. affairs. So, yeah, yeah. You know, it,
0: it is fun to reflect on on the times where your kids could just go, right? Just mm-hmm. go out in the neighborhood, and at some point they were going to come back. Don't
1: come home. Don't come home.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go out, go outside, and play for for a few hours. Um, I read that you grew up with a lot of incredible cooks
1: yeah Yep. Yeah. so um on our street growing up so i'm i'm from my father is uh was irish and my mother sicilian and her mother my nana lived with us um from from i was two until she passed when i was 15 so in our home you know again they're coming from new york city and my nana from sicily so we had like papa gino's a superette a candy store and a supermarket so You know we just spent each night looking forward to what they were preparing for dinner and on the weekends there was always you know a a project of sorts um and it sort of then spilled out into the neighborhood where on that street growing up there were uh other families similarly from different regions of mostly from new york but from outside massachusetts And the one thing that they all had in common was their love of food. And it brought um, these couples together and the families together. So they started this group called the Gourmet Club, where once a month, um, and then once the kids started getting a little bit more active, it turned into maybe once every two months. But basically the women would sit together, have tea or a cocktail going over menus, and it would be a certain region of the world that they would focus on and um, inspire each other, get uh, research recipes, and then rotate the houses and throw this big um, dinner amongst the the six couples. And um, from that, from those experiences, I learned a great deal about entertaining, about friendship, about how food um, brings people from all over together, and. Um, I, I was just recently gifted from my mom the binders of all the recipes and all the menus from Gourmet, so I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> oh, I
0: bet! How
1: amazing! So it's no different. Like that's what people are. You know, it's not. It's not a lost art, and it's interesting now in our COVID times where people aren't able to go out to dinner and not able to um, see friends as much, there's you know, more home cooking mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. research and um, trial and errors. And we all look so forward to when we can all reconvene and, and entertain. And um, I was lucky to have had those, um, those experiences early on in life, for sure.
0: Your mom and your neighbors were a little ahead of their time, maybe, I think.
1: Maybe so. I don't, I don't know anybody else. All of us, all the families there, you know, I should say all many of us didn't have family, you know, outside family. Like we were the immediate family. So it sort of grew into this family unit. And I I talked to one of my friends from that group this morning, in fact. So, you know, they're like cousins. Sure, Um, I bet. So they're important to us, for sure.
0: Um, I lost my, my grandma. A, a, a while back a, a few months ago, and i'm I'm a little jealous that you lived with your nana for that long. That's
1: amazing i'm i thank you. and i i wish I wish she was still sorry. here by a channel for as much as I can. There's as something would... about
0: grandmothers, really yeah yep. Uh so and and i've I've been doing this recently, the like the Sunday supper project, right? Mm-hmm. So your weekend, you have lots of time. You can do something that takes. Maybe twelve hours or, or two days. I'm just curious. What kind of what kind of projects did did Mom and and Nana work on over the
1: weekend? Oh well, there would always be like a sauce simmering. I mean, we we're definitely a big Sunday sauce family, but you know, yeah. it was always like the antipasti, then the pasta, then the meats, and then the salad, and then you know something for dessert. So it was definitely like a beginning to end, you know rotation of plates and settings and and such and then probably i don't know how old i was but my mother then worked at a at a church with these priests that were all from italy called it um it was at the fatima shrine and so then my nana and her would invite the priests over for dinner on sundays so then they wanted to cook because they got to have like their family time this extension of Sure. You know, where they're from and share their dishes. So like veals and various seafoods. And it was, it was a treat. I, and bet. I, I don't, yeah.
0: I bet, I bet. Were you an artsy kid
1: growing up? Definitely an artsy kid. How so? I definitely was like a kid who um, would spend hours drawing or painting. Um, definitely living, you know, in sort of like this space of how like, I think, I think I always saw things a little bit differently, um, definitely sensitive, you know, already tight. <laughs> um, but here we are. Yeah. Well, you
0: followed that path, right? The art path, even in school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always. Uh, what did you go to? Cause you went to, you graduated from the school of the museum of fine arts.
1: Mm-hmm. What going,
0: yeah. Where were you go? What were you going to do?
1: Um, well, I think if I had known or have been, um, sort of inspired or supported to, to follow a career in culinary arts, I might've at that, you know, when I was a young person, but being, you know, always interested in art. Um, I first actually, after high school, went to school, Endicott College in Beverly. And I went there with, um, the intention of being a graphic designer. So I have an associate's from there um, in graphic design. And then I took a few years off and then found myself at the School Museum of Fine Arts, which back then in the early 90s, you know, they had a diploma program, they had a fifth year program, which counts as a, um, a year of graduate work, and then the BFA at Tufts University. So I went to school for maybe a bit too long. I, I have a hard time regretting it because I, I'm so lucky to be in a, in a profession and have a career that I am utilizing all aspects of my education. Um, so that's what I went to school for. Yeah. But I always worked restaurants to support me going to school forever. <laughs> yeah.
0: And w- at what point did the light bulb go off for you where you're like, this is, this is a thing, being a food stylist, and mm-hmm. I can actually
1: turn this into a job? I was I uh, work in Oleana in Cambridge, um, Chef Anna Sortoon. I was there for about six and a half years, and um, as a as a server, um, and it was there that I was able because you know there was this open kitchen, so you know you're staying there looking and waiting for food to come up, and you're talking, and there's a big family atmosphere um, amongst the staff as a whole, um, dictated. From, from her and her personality, she she was, and still is an incredible force of friendship and family, but um, able to ask questions to her and other chefs about the preparation of foods and sort of taking what I saw and bringing it home and cooking it myself. Like I basically was self-teaching under the guidance of her and the chefs by just observing and, One day I turned to a friend who's now an interior designer. She was a host at the time. I was like, I think I want to be like this thing called a food stylist. I don't know. I grew up with gourmet and bon appetit. Um, And of course the influences of my mom who would look at the cover of bon appetit or gourmet and prepare this to, to picture perfect exact execution. So, but then how do you become one? And... Who knew? And um, it's a definitely a very tough niche of a of a an area of photography and advertising and also film work to sort of get into. Um, but here we are at Oleana, and and um, they were actually at my father's wake um, because he had passed, and she was um, embarking on her first cookbook, Spice, and said, oh, "I have to find this." person like a food stylist and the same friend Julianne who was the only person I had said this to said, Oh, that's what Christine mm-hmm. wants to get into. And I that was my first job was being on assistant um, as food stylist. Wow. So it's all sort of like, it's funny how life just brings things forward in the universe. And you just sort of, pick, you know, you just say yes. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe a hundred
0: percent things things happen for a reason. I mean, there mm-hmm. was just a, there was a reason why you were working there. There was a reason why you uh, were absorbing all of these things. I mean, it was just in your path to do that. I believe I believe so very much,
1: and I don't take it for granted one bit because I'm I'm definitely lucky that um, that I, I was I was there.
0: Right, and obviously food styling has been a thing because, as you mentioned, I mean, magazines and and cookbooks with pictures on them. I mean, someone's putting that food on the plate and making it look pretty, but it wasn't, when you were getting into it, I mean, that's just, did you kind of have to dig a little bit and, and go, okay, what is this food styling? How do you do it? Or did you just sort of create that path for yourself?
1: Uh, no, I immediately from the contact, um, the, the from the photographer who who did um, on his cookbook, uh, Susie Kushner, she connected me to uh, photographers and food stylists in New York and here in Boston so uh, for a while I was traveling to New York and assisting basically anyone that would hire me and so that's the bet like that's the only advice I could give you know when people ask well how do I get into it now that we're in this Instagram you know social media world heavy world where anyone can set up a box and put their phone out and and it is a, a a thing as a genre onto itself, but to have had the experiences with different, um, food stylists and also their clients editorial versus advertising versus commercial, like all those things. And it might take some time, but you establish your own style and, um, also like your own niche. Some, some food stylists only specialize in ice cream or coffee drinks or so, um, So for a number of years, I did that. And frankly, then I started a family and it just sort of went (laughs) And that's okay too, you know, and I, there's no regret, but it's, again, life is funny. And um, based on the experiences of my working with other food stylists as their assistant, um, the, the phone rang one day and I was with my two kids I was the only, you know, the only three of us were in this park in Boston. And um, it was someone from, a prop master from Los Angeles asking me if I would be interested in interviewing for this upcoming movie called Labor Day that was being filmed that, you know, just a, a few months or a couple months. Um, so that's how I got into it. Amazing. But it was all on referrals, you know. And, and in fact, like Milk Street, I'm so blessed to be there and it's been for a little over four years now, but that was based on a referral from someone that I used to assist. So, and that's how it should be. You know, you work for people for long and people get to know you and trust you to, to then refer you and, and mentor um, your career, so.
0: Well, it's all of I, it, right? I mean, it's, it's work ethic, it's attitude, it's personality, it's talent. You have to have it all if people are gonna refer you. That's amazing.
1: I, I agree with that.
0: Yeah, um, and it sounds like too. Your mom was maybe the original, the OG food stylist.
1: I'm still her her assistant. Like she she was my first assistant job. <sighs> That's amazing. Uh, Did you? Because there is there
0: is something if you're a home cook about putting food on a plate in a pretty way. She obviously took care with whatever she was making. She obviously took uh, special attention putting it on the plate. Sounds like
1: always and always with such precision, I still, my mother, she should've, she's a, a real estate agent and she's incredible at what she does um, in her profession. But, you know, I want to bring her on set with me one day just for her to play with tweezers. Cause I think she would have a blast cause that's her personality. I mean, she was, there's nothing I can do that that she couldn't do 5,000 times better for sure. I love that. I believe I love it. That. she might not be able to deal with the, the chaos of on set stuff, um, but she's she's really incredible. We should probably mention though the food that you style,
0: you're making it. Yes. Like you're you're cooking it and baking it
1: all all of the above. If I'm not I'm not a master baker. So what I do now is um, because each especially on film on film work the, the scopes have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And, the, and I don't want to say the expectations are growing, but I think the expe- expectations I bring on myself. And early on, it was just me alone in this space, cooking and baking multi- multitudes of items and pots and all this stuff. And it wasn't until li- uh, Little Women that I said, I think I need a higher assistance um and we could talk about that later but with that said i have a, a baker mouse i call her brianna Borelli from this great bakery clear flower in brookline and so she's my turn to baker um for special things so i sort of and i support local businesses and you, there's you can't rush baking but um on certain projects you know we will sit and bake 20 of the same cake because we have to be in control of the continuity of the, of how it's to look on camera. So if it's something like that, then we have our hands in it.
0: I think when you get to the point where you have to hire assistants, you know, you've made it.
1: <laughs> right? Success. I, did, I think, you know, that. what's funny is like the, the, um, the role that I have in movies have changed and shifted a little bit. Um, where, My hands are in the food, but it's actually becoming more and more of of meetings and planning and research as an historian or working with actors to um, help them with, you know, coaching them into a food preparation. So I need someone to back me up. um, So... It's, it's very similar to working in, in a restaurant kitchen in many ways, but the difference is we don't have you know, running water sometimes. We don't have refrigeration sometimes. We're like stuck in a very cold garage across from the set sometimes, but we make it work.
0: Amazing. Um, and food, before even I, I discovered you, um, and after seeing kind of the work that you've done, food plays such a huge role in movies and television shows, all of it. I mean, that's that's what I gravitate towards, obviously, because I'm a food person. But wine, cocktails, all of it. I Like, that's what I am looking at when I'm watching a movie. So it plays a huge role.
1: It does. And we're, I mean, we're now in this food-obsessed culture. I mean, we are, and it's a big part of our pop culture. And what happens is it's not so much even about the, preparation or it's, it's setting and helping establish a scene and a storytelling in, in the characters. Um, so it's, it's very, it's put forth so easily now to identify certain things that are, are key points in, in, um, in this, in the story by seeing the, by seeing the food. Um, I just recently saw Anne with an E. I don't know if you've seen that, but it, if being, it's not, it's not based on food, but the food scenes in it are just so special and beautiful and, and a period piece that whoever, and I'm trying to find the style it, but to get in touch with them to be like, you totally nailed that. I'm yeah. So,
0: so amazing. Well, I just think about Godfather, for instance, the, my favorite part of the Godfather is when he's making the sauce. Yes. In the kitchen. And it's just, I don't know. It's maybe 30 seconds of this entire movie, but I love it. It's the best is part. Is it the garlic queen? Is it when he's slivering the garlic? So oh, that—that's yeah. uh, Goodfellas, I believe. Oh, that's Goodfellas. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Go on. But that's my favorite part of Goodfellas too. When they're in prison, and he's slicing the garlic with the razor blade, and, and he's teaching them how to make the sauce, the Sunday sauce. So I mean, it is—it is, it is truly important for movies and. You worked on Little Women, but you also, I just want to name a couple others, Joy, American Hustle, as you said, Labor Day, your list of movies, like dozens, more than a dozen movies you've worked
1: on. Yeah, it's, I'm pretty excited about it. Movie it lady. That's different. why you're the movie lady. That's the movie lady. Um, and here in Boston, the the, the the pictures that are coming, we as a as a crew, you know, we are a, a union crew locally, 180, uh, I'm sorry, uh, IHC 481. We are getting such incredible projects that um, it's just been a really exciting time here in New England. So to be part of it, and I'm not needed on all shows, so to be brought in on some special projects um, is exciting and that I look forward to, uh, for it to continue.
0: I bet, that is amazing. So I just look at Little Women, versus, let's say, American Hustle. I mean, uh, completely different time periods, obviously. What kind of research, and we can even just go with Little Women, what kind of research goes into figuring out what kind of food you're going to be creating and styling for this movie?
1: Um, Well, first, for Little Women, when I got the phone call from the prop master, so my, my position is although a food stylist or, or consultant is I work directly with uh, the prop master. Um, so I got a phone call, and I happened to have that weekend free, and so I went up to the um, to the Alcott house in Concord and had a very lovely four-hour chance meeting with the director there, Jan Katernquist, so I was able – to have this special alone time with her, I can't, I mean, it was a gift. So the research started there um, so that I can understand exactly who the Alcotts were and what they ate and how they prepared food. So then sort of dive then into the book a bit more and revisit it. And then from there, just researching various recipes, but not having really the time to take old school recipes like that old world recipes like that. And our flowers are different. Our eggs are different. Our dairies, everything's so different that I compared certain recipes to more modern takes. So, um, I have one hit the violet bakery. I have my whole list here. I've brought some of the cookbooks here. Yay. Um, uh food 52 is i'm a huge fan of that there's just for even the simplicity of their baking is a lot of baking little women um spice cakes breads that sort of thing so that's how that research um sort of evolved and i'm because i'm a visual thinker um i use pinterest a lot so i develop mood boards and storyboards so then everyone's like, the process is like everyone understands visually what I come to set with that reflects the script or the character or what, and from there we sort of build out the menu. Well,
0: I'm sure it helps probably the people working with you because you're probably all very visual. So if you have, this is what I'm looking for, it helps them go, oh, okay, this is what we need to focus on.
1: Yeah, Yep. And I I put it out on, you know, like a storyboard. It's like old school advertising tricks. (laughs) Like PowerPoint is like, you know, I tag a, a printout on a phone core and with each scene it's always lined out. So no, everyone is understanding and seeing that what they see is what they're gonna get. And it's up then up to the actors what they're gonna do with it.
0: What were the challenges on Little Women? Because there was a lot of food there was a lot of food and a lot of food
1: that you don't even see, you know, that's the, also the beauty of food on film is it's not just there for the immediate, you know, like your sauce or the garlic to that is scripted or, um, it's also flushes out into set dressing. So, um, so you'll have like beautiful cakes in this ballroom scene where, um, You know, Joe and and Lori are just dancing and you'll just see cakes and cookies and chocolates, you know, everywhere. So um, also, you know, if you see Marmee um, making jam or someone's baking, it's I go in and do the set dressing and messing up the counters as as what would what would look seem natural because it all has to, like, make sense. Right. You know.
0: So you're th- throwing flour
1: everywhere. <laughs> you're throwing flour everywhere. How fun. Sure. Lots of eggshells, lots of, you know, dirty pans here and there. But, you know, that's just, a, you know, that's a whole other part of it. And I think the more I've been more involved, I'm given the freedom to have on set, it's it's I'm able to sort of flesh out what is singularly the, the reason why I'm there, which is food styling, but then really sort of get into um other you know, other not I don't want to say department, but other parts of the storytelling. Right. Like set.
0: Well again, it's you're you're telling your own story through this food. It has to make sense.
1: It has to make sense, yeah.
0: Right. Um so far in your career, what's been what's been maybe the most fun project you've
1: worked on? Um, I wish I could talk about the most recent projects, um, because um, stay tuned, was, everyone. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, everyone. I mean, I could, I could, I could say, you know, I, I recently wrapped uh, the Julie Child pilot for HBO. I'm so on- excited. So I can say that, and I can share that I just wrapped um, a few scenes with "Don't Look Up," which um, we just recently wrapped a couple weeks ago. So, um,
0: which is modern
1: day, whereas with Julia it was, you know, based in the '60s. So, those are like those are super exciting opportunities, and and little women. Each job has brought on. So many different things that I've learned and grown from. For sure. I mean, For literally, sure. we can't get bigger than what that project was between Greta and Amy Pascal, who is the producer, or one of the producers, and the 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 staff, you know, the staff, the the talent. Um, but there was a lot of a lot of food. And um,
0: when you're asked to do to to be to, to style the food on a series involving Julia Child. I mean, most like she's one of my heroes, so I I just that makes my stomach almost flutter. It's amazing. It was no no pressure, (laughs) right? Hey, no pressure. We need you to make make Julia Child food look amazing and she I mean her her recipes are insane. Yeah,
1: no, it was but. The key and what I find, and, and this will probably, it'll be something that I'll, I'll touch on later, but it's the idea is just as long as you keep things simple, you know, with various projects like, you know, there's some things that will come to me that are scripted or from the director. And, and in this case, it's it's using her recipes, but you're keeping... The food simple. You're keeping the execution simple and streamlined. So when you're on set, it's just you want to keep things super smooth. And I think that is a huge challenge to have on each day that I'm on set. But it takes us a, a, a crew of strong person, you know, calm personalities to sort of get get things done.
0: Yeah, you have to be. You have to be the calm among the chaos, right?
1: Which restaurant work comes into play because if you're in the middle of the restaurant and you're in the weeds and you forgot someone's steak, you're going to wait by the window and you know exactly how long that steak's going to take to cook
0: For and sure. stay calm. For sure. Would you consider yourself a different kind of food stylist because of all that you put into it as far as you're, you're cooking it, you're baking it, or you're getting help with that? I mean, do other food stylists do that?
1: Uh, some some do. I mean, I think it depends on you know when you're in advertising, you're working typically with the with the product. So if it's Dunkin' Donuts or if it's
0: you know a sure. big
1: brand, sure. um, editorial you typically do the rent cook the recipes yourself for for magazine work. So you'll you'll receive from the recipe developers the recipe, you prepare it and then you style it. Where something like you know where I work as Mil- at Milk Street as editorial, the last person to touch the food before it comes to me is the kitchen manager Wes Martin, who's awesome, and so he's so and it's his job like he's the last person to test this recipe out before I get it. So it's quite a luxury. So in that case, I don't I don't have to prepare, but I'm part of the 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 last moment of execution, and and, um, and then something like the movie work is just a completely different beast from everything, because it is technically food for camera, mm-hmm. but what goes into it is far more um, diverse in as a historian, as a planner, as a designer, as the cook, as the cleaning lady, as the, you know, <laughs> all of it.
0: The dishwasher. Yeah, the dishwasher. Are there tricks out there for food stylists to do certain things to the food to make it look pretty?
1: Yeah. As, like, yeah. I- yeah, so I like to stay away from that. I definitely don't, and and it's not because, and I, I'm saying it, I don't mean to say it in this judgy way. It's not just all. not my comfort zone, and especially when... Actors are surrounding a table, and one of my favorite parts of what I do on movie work is that tablescape and that gathering, and it brings everything of my whole life together in that moment. Um, So to have something that an actor can't enjoy, scripted or not, because you don't know what anyone's going to do until they reach for it and they put it in their mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, all All that food needs to be beautiful and edible. Edible.
0: (laughs) That's what I was going to say. But I think that's where I was getting at, calling you a different kind of food stylist, because everything that you create and style, and it's, you can eat it. You can put it in your mouth, and it's
1: tasty. Yes, always. And it's kept safe and beautiful, and typically, and, and sadly, you know, and... Part of the problem with the industry is there is it is a wasteful situation from time to time, but luckily, between myself and my style, my assistants Carolyn and Rachel, we keep things on such a food safe lockdown and bring um, like pastry boxes, we bring Tupperware, so we package things up, make little kits up, so we give it to you know the director gets stuff the producer gets stuff the actors take home stuff so all this beautiful food even if it's not entirely consumed um finds a home and therefore someone else can can enjoy it at in their space
0: um i heard i listened to the interview you did with um on the cherry bomb podcast uh very popular on set you are
1: I, I well, now we, the more films we do together, you get it's such an incredible, it's like I, I always compare it to restaurant work because you're stuck in this situation that's so wacky. You know, you're making, you know, you're all working collaborative, but you're also getting to know each other as people and as family people and, and not just professionals. So when I show up, you know, everyone's like, ah, What's on the menu? And I'm slivering ham and making little sandwiches for people, um, or handing, you know, recently pies out as if they were door prizes because <laughs> we had too many beautiful pies and they're not going to go to waste. so so with that said, yeah, I'm pretty popular because who doesn't like a, a fresh baked pie, you know'? Exactly. People gaining weight on
0: these movie sets. Oh, five pounds, I say. It's all right. It's all good. It's a a, a good thing. As far as, um, I wanna get to Milk Street because even um, I follow them on Instagram and I have cookbooks. That's all you, right? The pictures?
1: Yeah, myself uh, as the food stylist, yes. And then Connie is the photographer and Brianna is the the director of photography.
0: Beautiful. So you guys are huddled around this plate of something, uh, working on it to make it look absolutely beautiful when you're talking about food, whether it's a plate of pasta or soup or steak, what's some of the most difficult food out there to style?
1: Oh. Oh. Well, first off, it's really hard to make food look ugly. And sometimes, not a Milk Street, but on, in film, like you have to make something look, so I'm bringing movie into it for a second. Please. Um, so as far as like what's, what gets, brought to me or what I'm presented with at Milk Street, I mean, I I would tell you my favorite things are um, anything leafy and greeny. I love soups and all the soups because it's a lot of, you know, these, these recipes are global influence recipes. So there's a lot of braising and stews and, but then you have like these beautiful fresh, you know, dishes of vegetables and that are so textural with like nuts and fruits and such. So, and lots of herbs. So that makes my job so enjoyable because there's so many things to work with within that, those recipes. I think my least favorite thing in an editorial setting, um, is anything that has a triangle, like a baked good. That's a triangle or square that I you have to set up because then it turns into graphics and it's not like this fluid loose playfulness It's sort of you have it's a totally different shift of of the creative brain
0: I was just gonna say it messes with your artistic brain doesn't it it, it just
1: gets a little bit it gets a little teet- like it, it it's it's funny because sometimes like in, in the, our list of to-dos of recipes that we have to shoot each day. You know, I look to see like, where's gonna be the hiccup? Because if I have my flowy, like I'm playing with soups, <laughs> and then suddenly there's like something that needs to be sliced in like like a dessert, I'm like, I gotta take a break before I bounce into that. That's but, uh, so funny. There's it, like a weird, it's a weird, um, there's a shift that that happens.
0: Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. When you get, um, you're probably almost already there. But when people ask you to come on a movie, you need to say, "Listen, I'll do the movie, but no hard angles. Period." <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. I'll try that. No, that's really funny. Yeah, because when that, when that happens and I, and I'm not prepared for it, I then I turn to Brianna. She would even tell you this. I'm like, Brianna, I need a ruler, and she'll like go over to where my my things are and she'll like bring a ruler. I'm like, okay. And so that's when, like, the collaborative spirit comes on because, you know, I really have to work, you know, where sometimes I can deliver the platter or the bowl to Connie on the set. But sometimes, you know, it's more of a a collaborative, like, designing to align her angle and her light into what can make these, like, triangles (laughs) look look more appealing than just a triangle but they're all delicious and i'm so lucky to taste every single thing that comes in front of us
0: i bet but it plays such a huge role because if you think about the dish on the cover of a cookbook that's 98 percent of the reason why i'm going to buy it
1: i appreciate you saying that because it's true yeah you eat with your you you taste you eat with your eyes before yep. your stomach
0: yep Yep, for sure. Um, I mean, that's uh, the book Milk Street just released, Cookish. Um, yeah. I was going to get it anyways, but I really wanted it because there was pasta on the cover.
1: <laughs> I'll pass that along. No, that was a favorite. That's a good cookbook. I mean, all the cookbooks are, are super like, filled with beautiful recipes. Um, and we just wrapped last week on um, a vegetable cookbook. Oh, so I think. I think it's 250 recipes of um, just vegetables. Straight up veggies. Yeah, Yeah. super beautiful. And we did this in COVID and it's a remarkable feat that um, as a company, as the recipe developers and then myself and Connie and Brianna to work through the parameters of of what we're allowed to do and how close and Mm -hmm. mask went and, You know, at the beginning, Connie was actually coming here and we were photographing. uh, This was for the Mediterranean book that's coming out in a matter of weeks here in my sunroom. So we've really um, we had a really nice celebration of uh, and a cheers to each other the other day when we wrapped this book, because it's pretty remarkable.
0: Well, congratulations on
1: that. That's amazing. Yeah. you, You know, I mean, you're working and it's it's not easy sometimes some days when you're like yeah. with the with the mask on so oh
0: all, always and then i think for even for us and probably all of the journalists and um tv anchors out there we're reading off case numbers every single night and it just a year of this i'm 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 almost over it it's it's time just to be done i'm ready to be done
1: yeah, I know. I know the feeling. We all do. And this is great that this has like become your happy place, you know, talking to people who work in in the world of food and like how this is a nice little silver lining to your viewers too, that you can share something that interests you and that you're passionate about. And mm-hmm. that's great.
0: A-, a thousand percent. I was, uh, I did an interview last week uh, where we were talking about COVID and how in the very beginning, I felt the need to talk to counselors about you know, mental health or financial advisors about you know, economic crisis and all of those things. And then it got to the point where I'm like, we need a break. We need a little bit of a, a breath of fresh air. And so I just started to interview other people not COVID related or pandemic related at all because I think we need that, right? We need, we need those cookbooks about vegetables and um, we need to take a break from some of this because it just becomes too much.
1: It is too much, mm-hmm. and this is um, what better way to sort of distract than through food and to support each other and share. You know, looking at back at Christmas with all the food. Um, you know, Susan Spungen is—I mean—and she, she's an incredible friend as well as mentor. But you know, sharing the cookie boxes like all this time, like re- and so going back to my mom and gourmet club like this is all going it's like a resurgence of things that um, hasn't been forgotten about it's just that we've been too busy to continue in our legacy and to pass to our children or share with neighbors Or so I've, I look forward to seeing um, well I look forward to continuing what has always been established in my life personally through my mom and continue it, you know, through now my children, you know, bringing, you know, to my 80-year-old neighbor from Italy, you know, her little treats, you know. Perfect. Appetite for Life. Appetite for Life. That's a great title for a cookbook. Well,
0: it's it's the biography on Julia Child. I'm reading it right now, which is just, but that's what that is.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But that's what that is, though, right? It's that Appetite for Life. That's what, I think that's what's coming back a little bit. I love it.
1: Well, there's a lot to look forward to and a lot more to talk about when when I'm free to talk about it for sure. yeah, exactly. I know. i'll have to I'll have
0: to circle back and chat with you when you can talk about some top secret things. Um, I, I do want to wrap up just a little bit, But when we were talking on the phone several weeks ago about food food stylists and getting into that, um, it, it's starting to become
1: more of a thing, right? Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, Um, Again, everyone looks at food. I mean, you can't go on Instagram without, you know, you have your go-tos like the New York Times and you have a Bon Appetit or all these for inspiration for you to be a home cook. But then there's so many stylists and influencers and it's a whole other genre. And what the same with, in my experience with food styling, it might be reflective of me being a dinosaur, you know, and how – it just came to with like, Amen. but also a bit of being at the right place at the right time and showing up and there's no ego. You just do what you're told to do. Amen. And um, so, and I'm just now having um, assistants. So my is Rachel Michael, who was uh, Susan Spunkin's assistant for a number of years in New York. She moved back to Boston, and a friend, Carolyn White, who I've known since she was nine years old, is one of my assistants, and both are incredible culinarians um, Outside of the of the movie world, they had no, they didn't want to do this. Right. They just said, "Here, I'll help you out," and here we are now working, almost more of a collective. You know, yeah, I'm I'm talking to you about it, but it's really having them as my back. Uh, bone and in, in their skill set that I'm able to do my job, and that only comes from the opportunity of being on set with somebody. Because, and that's my only advice I would tell people is you have to just. And I just recently did to someone who wants to get into food styling, like just contact every photo- local photographer who focuses on food. It's easy to find these people. It's on Google. You know, find the local food stylists, and even if you're working for free. I did it, you know, you assist them and um, you, you build your own rapport with these pro- professionals and you work independently on your images. And it's not an easy or accessible, I shouldn't say easy, it's not an accessible trade. It's just something that sort of happens, I think, more frequently to people who aren't even looking for it. Sort of like this accidental, or was, you know. Uh, uh, an accidental profession and based on culinary but also art Um, so and since little women I've met through and because of Instagram and I'm not a big social uh, media person (laughs) um, I wish I was a bit more savvy but I'm not but I've met some incredible stylists who, who like myself specializes in film work. And it's been really great and rewarding to reach out to each other and support each other because you think that you're the only person. It's so I'm the only person in New England currently. Like, you're not your own, des- you know, your own deserted island. You reach out and there and, shouldn't be competition. You know, I think there's definitely a profession that there is. Um, and I'm not, I don't partake in that. And I don't like engaging in, in that. So... I just pick up the phone and say yes, Trish.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad you said it's yes right. to me. I was—I just wrote down the oh. word delight because that's what you are. You are an
1: absolute delight. Oh, that's nice of you. This is my first Skype. I've never done this before, so thank you for being so patient. <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'm glad. Having, um, and having me because I love what I do. And if something like this, it's viewers looking and wanting to to be a food stylist in whatever capacity to know that I exist. And, you know, if I was able to make a career out of it, you know, someone else can because it is a a fun um, profession, but it's definitely something that takes a lot of um, personality and and gumption. Yeah. Because it's pretty hardcore.
0: For sure. Absolutely. Um, do you do you cook at home?
1: I do. <laughs> Everyone asks me that. I do. Uh, before my two, I should say, um, I'm a single mom. And uh, for many years in my relationship, uh, we would have beautiful, like my mom and my dad, have beautiful dinner parties. And that was, again, a, 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 even before really getting into food styling as a full-time job, I just I was teaching myself, you know, through, through plating. I mean, when you, when next, when you go home tonight and you're, you're plating your dinner, you know, you're always thinking like a stylist, you know, I do. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, even if you're, even if you're presenting that dish only to yourself, that dish should be beautiful because you earned it and you worked for it and you prepared it and you're loving yourself with it. And um that's something to be to look forward to from the moment you wake up until that until that dish lands in front of you. That's in my my world. Um so now with kids it gets a little bit my my daughter is ten, my son is thirteen, and luckily they both love food so much. Um and now they're at ages that they want to partake in the preparation, which is super fun. I bet. But I keep things super simple with them. So yes, I still I you know, I cook. But I keep things very, very simple, um, and similarly to how I cook for set. You know, it's just a lot of freshness, textures. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't want, you know, slivered almonds on something. We'll put it on the side. You know, things mm-hmm. like things like that. But I do miss um, the entertain uh, entertaining um, aspect of family life, and I look forward to um, once things are lifted and we're able to welcome people into our homes again to build those tablescapes for friends and family, because it's great doing it for a group of like young dudes. We call it the annual meatball conference at my house (laughs) for my son and like 10 boys come over and I just like make the big pot of sauce. And there was like meatballs. So yeah, so it's a lot of cute, you know, and it's great. Um, because it, it, uh, those are things that I do it for them, but I'm not really like coming home after a day at Milk Street after being in front of all those beautiful dishes, being like, I'm going to create something completely out there. Oh, <laughs> so, I love I it. I mean, home food from there and bring it home. And we're all like little naughty nibblers and we package things up from Milk Street and bring them home and share with our family. So Naughty
0: nibblers. That's great. <laughs> it's a win-win. Um, but yeah, when you said that, you know, even for the home cook, make sure you plate it. I always think about the the line in Ratatouille where he tells his brother not to hork it down. I always think about that. Like I've, I've just created this beautiful thing. I don't want to hork it down, right? I want to put it on the yeah. plate and make it pretty and then enjoy every single bit of it. So f- from the master, which is you, I love I love cooking. And lately I've been showing some recipes and things on Instagram. So what can I do to
1: make my food look really pretty? Oh, well, at first I need to follow you on Instagram because I didn't know that you were on Instagram. Are you? Fo- are we friends on Instagram? I follow you. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna follow you. Thank you. I want to do it. Like doing it right now, so I could see what your food looks like. All right. Um. <laughs> So my, no, so this way I, I can't see what you're making. So what is it, what sort of things are you making? All the things. I, I
0: make, I, I'm a cook, I'm not a baker. So I love, I just love cooking. And I love, probably one of my favorite things to cook is is pasta because it's two mm-hmm. pots. You've got a pot for the pasta and then one for your sauce and you dump the pasta in there and it's just done. So I love doing that, but I love um I love braising things. I love big pots. I made meatballs last weekend talking about sauce and meatballs. So yeah, I want, I want some tips. I want some tips on how I can make my food look real pretty.
1: Um, I, there's a few things. First, I love, um, Malden sea salt. The Fleur de Settler, uh, if I had a box, I was it. to show it to you. I know exactly what Just, you're talking about. I have a tub of it. Yep. So it just adds that flicker of, of light that hits it, adds a little dimension. And, and, but those are more for, say, like steamed vegetables or so, uh, vegetables of okay. sorts. Or, or your final touch for, say, a chicken dish or um, a meat dish. Okay, like uh, Definitely into herbs. So any sort of chopped herb that you can add. Um, I'm not big into um, super fine chopping of herbs because that tends to sort of Pollute, I call it pollute, but like bruise the the sauce. Does that make sense? But instead, <laughs> have it be a bit more of an element of of um, sort of more floral or okay, just pretty and uh, good olive oil. So a really nice, um, you well, know, shine, drizzle, right? Swish of, of like a deep green. Uh, olive oil puts anything into a nice glisten, especially braised dishes where you see those little pillows of little drops of oil. Okay. And last, I'm a huge fan in my life with fried breadcrumbs. Huh. All right. That's good stuff. <laughs> so... Fry the breadcrumbs, and then from that fried breadcrumb, you can add uh, nuts and herbs. You can add different spices like sumac or, uh, I, I tend, or za'atar or something like that. I mean, our, our food knowledge and our food profiles have changed so much over the course of, you know, even 10 years. Like, who knew what za'atar was? I mean... Or sumac, like oh, I thought it was poisonous. Like all of these ingredients and and spices and herbs that you can create and and alter something that might be. I mean, you could take your meatball and throw toasted breadcrumbs with some nuts on it and herbs, and you have like a Milk Street, you know, mm-hmm. photo ready. Okay.
0: Okay. I'm gonna write. I've, I'm gonna write all those down, and I'm gonna practice, and then I'm gonna send it to you and be like, Christine, what do you think? Uh, you and you can grade. Okay, you okay. On. I love it. You can tag tag me on your Instagram so I can check it out. I will. You're going to get. I'm going to blow you up now. (laughs) I'm going to tag you on everything. Um, I want to I want to wrap up a little bit and get to the final three before I do. What's for dinner
1: tonight? Oh, well, I'm actually flying solo tonight. My children are in Vermont. So perfect. So what you're making for yourself? I don't know because I, I'm not used to cooking just for myself. And I've been thinking about it all day. And this is what I do. I'm like, what am I going to make? I do the same. And I'm like, I'm not going to do pasta because I'm going to try to do low carb. Like, you know, uh-huh. all those things. I think what I'm going to do, honestly, is go to my fish market down here in Roslindale Village. And they're from Greece. And they're the most beautiful fishes. And I think I'm going to pick myself a piece of fish. I'm totally going to do my trick with the almonds and... Toasted breadcrumbs because I'm craving that. Lots of lemon zest. Okay. That's another good trick. Um, then I really love broccoli rob, so I'm probably gonna pick up broccoli rob And I have some preserved lemons that I think I will then shift somewhere in that. So I'll take a picture of my dinner and I'll okay. tag you
0: in it. I love it, I love it. I'm gonna, sometime this week I have burrata in my fridge and I have a bunch of basil which is, you yeah. know, basil's not really in season right now, but I wanna do like a basil pistou with it and something with the burrata. Yeah, 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 do it. Okay, we could just, we could nerd out about food all day, Christine, I think. Uh, okay, subject. I know, I know, right? Uh, let's get to the final three. Uh, best advice you've ever been given?
1: Keep it simple. You said that, you've said that a couple times. Always oh, just keep it simple. And it means every, it means, today I'm by myself and I'm going through all the nooks and crannies of my house because I know in just a matter of like days, I'm going to get a phone call and my head's going to explode. It's going to be on fire and I need to know where everything is. (laughs) Does that make sense? (laughs) Like, you know, production world is a totally different beast. You know, you, it's, you, you say yes. And it's all, it's all straight shoot forward and, all this looking for things I can't do. Right. So that's why I say keep keep everything simple. I'm glad you're I saying wear the yes. Same shirt every day. Tell, ask people at Milk Street. I have five of the same shirt. I wear the same thing every day. That's- you're good at what you do because look how I'm opening up to you. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> it is my job I mean I,
0: I've been asking questions for almost two decades so I, I hope I mean I hope I'm good at it but I that is a thing you know people who wear have a uniform every day that's yep. a thing keep it simple amen keep it simple keep it simple uh what's your happy
1: place I love um I love being in the car with my children and that's been a thing that we've been doing since being you know, in lockdown that after and they they are um, being taught remotely. So we can't go anywhere. So what's become a really wonderful part of we might not do it every day but a few times a week is just get in the car, put on some music, we go through you know, Dunkin Donut drive through, get everyone a hot chocolate, a treat, or start, you know, we get as a there's a treat in it and we just drive around and, you know, First is to see summer foliage and then, you know, fall foliage and now then Christmas lights. And now here we are, you know, with spring upon us. So mm-hmm. that's definitely mm-hmm. been, a, a, my special plates lately.
0: Fantastic. Final meal, final drink.
1: <sighs> definitely dirty martini. <laughs> I, that's the, that is a no brainer. And, um, I have to, think about it because when I don't, because I work in food, the last thing I want to do is deal with, I don't like it. Does that mean, at the end of the day, I don't want to eat it, you know? Um, but I, if it wasn't for my children and needing to be fed and wanting to give them nice things, I would probably have a martini and like a grilled cheese sandwich. And I don't even mean like a fancy grilled cheese sandwich. I mean like white bread, land of lakes but moving away from that i think that martini sitting at a big table and i love potlucks and i love that element of community and people bringing you know you might set a theme you might not but having people bring things and you're sharing things and that is um i think if that was to be my last moment of of meal sharing that that's what i would want
0: a potluck. Uh, dirty martini, what do, you, what do you have like a specific olive you like?
1: No, I'm not a huge fan. I have an argument with my assistant about this, Rachel. Because she likes the cheese stuffed ones. I'm like, doesn't that like make everything weird? I don't know. Yeah.
0: Um, just,
1: yeah. You're, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I'm the most unfancy person. <laughs> just throw like whatever you want. A twist, two olives, two onions. And we're done. Just keep it simple. Keep it clean and simple.
0: Yeah. All right. You're such a delight. Um, I'm so excited that <laughs> I got to chat with you. I really appreciate
1: talking to you, too. Um, and, um, I, this is my first first one. So
0: I have a feeling I- you're going to be doing lots of them. So uh, you're
1: welcome. This has just been training for you. No, Trish, this has been amazing for me. Good. and. and Speak to such amazing heroes that I hold dear to me, who've helped influence me as um, a culinary professional, and you speak to like amazing craftspeople, and so I really appreciate the opportunity to be included in such great company. Oh, that's sincerely, it was awesome, Trish.
0: So thank you very much, and I hope to continue talking to those people because they're they're definitely my heroes too. Um, if you are listening to this podcast, you can do so wherever you like to listen to podcasts, but you can also watch it at ktbl.com and on YouTube, just search for Off Script with Trish Gloss. One more time, she's an absolute delight. Look her up and check out all the work that she's been doing on all sorts of productions. Christine Tobin, thank you so much uh, for the last
1: hour. I appreciate it. Thank you very, very much, Trish, and to your whole crew. Thanks, keep safe.